This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Leaves are falling off the trees. Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror. Snow is quickly falling on the ground up here in the Northeast. Yes, I'm going to make you people down in the South listen to me complain about it. But I still have my iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Call me a Massachusetts resident through and through. Welcome into Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel. As we get ready for a big matchup against the New York Jets this weekend, I welcome in my co-host, Joshua Hudson. Josh, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. It's good to talk to you. Happy Thanksgiving, man. I hope uh, you had a good time with your family, and I'm excited to talk about this Jets team because they absolutely do suck, and it's going to be fun to talk about how bad they suck. Isn't that, that, that that's pretty a, that's a nice thing to wake up to, especially after the, the issues in Denver last week. We, we heard some, some takes out there, that is for sure. Uh, so we're going to get into all that, but before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that our next show... Based on everything we do, we record our post-game shows on Monday afternoon. We are going to announce the winner of the Solomon Kinley jersey giveaway in that show. I'm going to record the whole thing so nobody thinks there's any kind of questions or anything going on there. Uh, basically, all you got to do to get entered into win a shot at a Solomon Kinley jersey is hit that subscribe button, leave a review, let us know how much you like the show, or if you don't like it at all, we love getting that feedback. We want to have a better show, and we're grateful for you guys. You know, Not to get corny, but we enjoy everyone. Uh reaching out to us, talking about what they liked, what they didn't like about the show, and that makes us better. So please, as I said, hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and you will be entered into our Solomon Kinley jersey giveaway. That will be announced in our post-game show. So Josh, let's jump right into it here. We got some news. Let's run through it real quick here, because there's a lot of it. Uh, Zach Thomas back on the Hall of Fame ballot. The 2021 class was announced Josh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because we talk about it all the time. It's it's a pretty big disrespect that Thomas is in the Hall of Fame. I think we both kind of agree that if the Dolphins were a better team throughout his career, I think he would be more of a lock into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but it's worth fight, fighting it and bringing it up whenever we can because it's certainly something that needs to happen. And that's really all it is. I mean, anytime you have a chance to bring up Zach Thomas or like I do, I try to show that highlight of him. Anytime I get a chance, I'm going to continue to do it because he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be a tough year. I mean, this ballot's loaded. I know Patrick Willis, I think he might be up there too. And I mean, that's one of the better linebackers in NFL history. So uh, Zach Thomas already belongs in the Hall of Fame. But like you said, we don't have to talk about it. Everybody knows how great he is. Get that man in the Hall of Fame, please. 
There's no doubt about that. And then Jesse Davis has been on and is now off the COVID-19 list since last time we spoke. Uh, So that was kind of a a brief stint on the COVID-19 list for Jesse Davis. And Barry Jackson reported that uh, the Dolphins believe that only, I don't want to say only, only is not the right word, that uh, two people, two players have actually uh, had COVID-19 since the season began. So all things considered, that number isn't huge. That's actually kind of a, a pretty positive sight for the team. Um, you know, it, it's good to see everyone's there. Everyone seems healthy. No one's had any major um, battles with, with the virus. So that's good to hear. Uh, something to keep in mind. And, and speaking of Kinley, he has missed the second consecutive practice, which was on Thursday. I uh, missed half of the game against Denver. So having Jesse Davis back, I mean, that that's looking to be uh, quite valuable for this Miami Dolphins offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, I don't even know where they would have turned if, if you know, the, he wouldn't have came off COVID list, and it's great to have him back, but you hope that Kinley gets back quickly because we saw how valuable he was this offensive line, but this offensive line would have been shambles if Jesse Davis would have been out. The biggest note, though, and it's still something that, you know, continues, I think we'll find out later this afternoon, his status for, you know, Friday's practice and then heading into the game. Tua Tungavailoa, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, everyone loves to talk about him. He has now been on the injury report two days in a row with a thumb injury. It is on his left throwing hand. Um, Brian Flores did not seem too, you know, concerned about it. He even made a joke how he was meeting with the media. He said later in the afternoon, we'll figure out how this thumb is, and you guys will all be eating turkey, and we'll have to talk about it tomorrow. So tune into that. If Brian Flores does make an announcement on Tuatonavalo's status, and obviously it's something other than him not playing on Sunday, we will put the audio into this podcast right here. Yeah, and we're not gonna, we don't have to talk too too much about this because I actually wrote down here. This is something I completely missed. I I, I don't know where I've been the last two days. Uh, but yeah, Flores didn't sound too concerned. I, I think it's just worth noting that uh, we we spoke about it before the show. I think a lot of times that the Dolphins kind of downplay injuries. They are sometimes bigger than they really are. Uh, the Preston Williams started as a day to day type of thing. Byron Jones was always seemed like a day to day type of thing. Uh, Solomon Kinley, a day-to-day type of thing, but these injuries, as they go about, they end up being bigger than the Dolphins are leading on. I'm not saying that's the case with Tua. I have no inside information but on that. To, to, to that note, though, how, you know, all it takes for these guys to even be limited, I think, is just, you know, come off on the side and just to even have a, a doctor look at it. Like, I think mm-hmm. they're, so it's this, you know, and to sit here and think this is a Brian Flores coach team, to think that he's trying to give some kind of uncertainty to the New York Jets of who the starting quarterback is, I mean, you're right to some extent. We don't know how serious this injury is, but if any, you know, kind of competitive advantage that this team can take, Brian Flores, you know, they're already on top of that. So that's something worth noting. It's also worth knowing that Jakeem Grant, you know, one of his most valuable receivers did show up on the injury report yesterday. He was limited. Again, we don't know how severe this limited is. It could, again, just be him having, you know, a tight hamstring coming off on the side. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely something to evaluate. Uh, That could, you know, maybe spell a big role for Antonio Callaway. And we'll talk about that as we move on in the podcast. And a couple other injury notes, especially to the running back room. Salvin Ahmed missed two straight practices with a shoulder injury. Miles Gaskin is practicing, but last I heard he was wearing the red practice uh, Mm -hmm. non-contact jersey. So it's uncertain whether he will play. Again, that could factor into a Matt Breida game. Van Noy limited with a hip injury. And big Christian Wilkins, you know, it's morphin' time. He came off the COVID list. He's ready to play, and we got gashed last week. What, they have 189 yards on the ground? Now's the time. Yes, we're going against Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, but Christian Wilkins, I think, you know, we continue to hear this guy. People argue on Twitter, you know, is he a bust? I would have rather taken this guy here or there. We saw how much different this defense looked without Christian Wilkins in the lineup. That is going to be awesome to have him back in the lineup there. And then before before we get into the preview of the Dolphins versus the Jets, let's just bury this Denver game. Let, let's get our final remarks out there because, you know, we had our show on Monday. 
but but there's a lot of input, a lot of takes after that. You know, it's interesting how we kind of zone in that magnifying glass on all the losses. I mean, it, just kind of keep in the back of your mind that the Dolphins went to Denver. They had to travel to face a team that has a very defensive-minded head coach in Vic Fangio. And, you, you know, no game on the road is a given win. Uh, my final, you know, notes here, uh, I've had some Twitter threads. I'm going to have a story up on the Finsider. But game scripts. It's so important to keep in mind, we saw the Dolphins really try to punch Denver early. Those passes to Jakeem Grant connecting on one of the, you know, three that what either were, were thrown too far or Jakeem Grant, you know, slowed down so he could box out a defender with his body. These type of chemistry things are going to get better as the season goes along. But you see the Dolphins game plan. They want to kind of hit opposing teams with those body punches, uh, really try to get some uh, separation between them and opponents on the scoreboard. They average 8.7 points in the first quarter. That's the best in the league. The Dolphins, it just didn't work on Sunday against Denver, and that's something that happens. I think it's interesting how we said the offense uh, would be moving with Fitzpatrick compared to how it would be moving with Tua at the beginning of the year and how, you know, receivers like Devontae pa Parker and Jakeem Grant might be more of Fitzpatrick style than, than Tua's style. And we're finally starting to get the idea of what we meant by that, right? Because in theory, that all makes sense. But this the last game against Denver and then Fitzpatrick moving the ball down the field pretty well at the end of the game just kind of shows the difference uh, in the play style and the scheming. And it's good to hear that Tua has been working with Fitz to understand what it means to be open in the NFL. Uh, for instance, I believe it was a coach who mentioned if Jakeem Grant is running side by side with someone, it means he's open. If Devontae Parker has somebody on his hip, it doesn't necessarily mean he isn't open. So these are the type of, type of developments we have to see from the young rookie quarterback. And I think we're going to see it. And having Fitz come in, I think it was a great learning experience for Tua because all of a sudden there's film how to do it. It's not having Tua just kind of drown. And, and, you know, yes, we could argue we want to have a hope that our guy could do it. But there is legitimate game film about how Fitzpatrick was able to move the belt off. And that is something Tua will hopefully learn from. Learn from, excuse me, they're all adults. This is kind of Brian Flores' way of showing him that it is possible. This is what you have to do. Uh, learn from example and kind of take it as it is. That's my final thoughts on the Denver game, Josh. I'm ready to move on from it. What do you got? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that does have to do with Tua just getting an understanding of you have to, you know, the window in the NFL is so much smaller than how it was in college. So even if a guy doesn't look open, you got to make that throw and trust your instincts and get him open. So that's going to come with time. But to me, I think, and as cliche as it sounds, and I keep using that hashtag, let Tua cook. And it was only brought to my attention recently by Kyle Krabs, the Locked On Dolphins and the Draft Network. But this was something that Seattle fans, yeah, amazing work. It, that was something that the Seattle fans kind of brought together because, you know, they continuously ran the football and they would take the ball out of, you know, Russ's hand in Super Bowl situations, you know, let him cook. And, you know, I'm a huge Tua fan, and I've been known, to, I was called a simp once on Twitter, and, you know, I'm an old man. I, I don't even really, Yeah, I probably still <laughs> am, but I sat there and I broke down the film, and let's be honest, he did not play well, and the offensive line got their ass kicked, and that had a lot to do with it. Receivers didn't create separation, but he had Jakeem Grant twice on that first drive. You know, he had Jakeem uh, Devontae Parker across the middle. You know, he had him wi running wide open on that uh, I guess it would have been a, a, a corner route there toward the sideline where he, I think he ended up just taking a sack. I mean, he, there were definitely plays that he left out on that field. Personally, I think that I would have much rather have seen him, you know, back against the wall, move that ball downfield the way they did before the half. But again, I'm not going to sit here and question Brian Flores. He did what he did. Tua Tungvaloa is going to learn from this, and you hope the Dolphins are going to learn from this. And as cliche again as it is to sound, stop taking the ball to his hands. Spread that offense out and let him try to make those plays that we saw uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick make towards later in the game. So uh, those are my final thoughts. Again, it kind of puts – this game kind of proved the old saying of, you know, 
anything can happen in the NFL because we lost to the Broncos. So, yes, we're playing the 0-10 New York Jets, but anything could happen. Before we get into the New York Jets game, let's take a moment to hear from our ads, and we'll hop into this week's game between the 6-4 and Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Suck, suck, suck up in MetLife. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Josh, my, my dad and I were talking about it. I mean, you mentioned any NFL, and I was it was just following the, the Broncos game. Uh, he kind of brought up that uh, there was a time where the Dolphins were winless, uh, specifically last year. And then a home game against the New York Jets changed that. And it is worth noting that the Jets are currently winless. Adam Gates is fighting for his job against his former team. Let's let's remind ourselves that when he went against Denver as a coach of the Miami Dolphins, he put up his the most points he ever put up in a game while the Miami Dolphins did under Adam Gates. They scored like 38 points. He was kicking onside kicks in the fourth quarter. <laughs> up 20, kicking onside kicks, doing, <laughs> doing it the whole nine yards. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but man, this loss would look so bad. It would change the trajectory of the entire season, the entire tone surrounding the entire team to lose to the 10-8 Jets. Oh, and 10 Jets. I don't know where I got 10 and 8 from. I must be drunk. Uh, but it's important to learn that just because every you know you have so much writing for you, it doesn't mean that you know everything can't change in one game. The Dolphins need to show up on the road and collect a win. That that that's kind of where we need to start this conversation because I think in Denver and and you know, if you go listen to our pod. It was more about how the Dolphins are going to win and what we want to see, but but I think we need to go back to that square one. Despite being 0-10, despite being a, a, the less talented football game, football team, excuse me, you cannot go into New York and overlook the Jets. you got to go out there. you got to pick up the win. The Dolphins need to end this day 7-4, first and foremost. Absolutely, and I, I mean, we were kind of in this situation last year, and we were all talking about the tank. How pissed would you be right now if – I mean, I know you are, you're, you're, if you're a Jets fan and you absolutely despise the Dolphins, you grew up despising the Dolphins, how pissed would you be right now that you were in the driver's seat for Trevor Lawrence and for some reason you miraculously pulled out this win? I, I think Jets fans, you know, want to lose this game even more than maybe the Dolphins want to win this game, as crazy as that is to sound. But you're absolutely right. If we go up there and we lose to a team that is 0-10, an Adam Gase coach team, with your looking over this roster, I mean, they have some playmakers, but this Dolphins team just lost a game that, you know, a lot of people thought they should have won. If they can't go up there and convincingly beat the New York Jets and Adam Gase, 
I mean, then we t- all have to take a huge step back and kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, that'll be a huge gut punch this entire fan base. And then at that point, we all need to just take a step back and start reflecting on ourselves. That's certainly the case. And I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be sitting here at six and five, you know, try to break out the, the legit in the hunt math about all the teams that, no, you know what? That's, this is the last we're going to talk about it. We're going back into confident mode. We're going to lock in. Joe Flacco was held scoreless in his first outing against the Miami Dolphins. The team followed that up by scoring 27 and 28 points in each of the following weeks. Good thing it looks like they are going to be going back to Sam Darnold under center. Uh, Tua, his yards per attempt is under seven in three or four games. Last week, Herbert had three touchdowns and 366 yards against the Jets. Winning would just cure everything. It'd have us feeling good, feeling confident, against. looking forward to a game against Cincinnati next week. Joe Flacco has five touchdowns in the last two games, more than the team has had in the previous eight weeks. Joe Flacco provides that boomer bust uh, potential where uh, I'd say Sam Darnold's more of a medium well to bust potential. I, I think there's a the ceiling isn't nearly as high. Maybe the floor is a little higher. But it, it's good to see that the it looks like the Jets are going to go back to Sam Darnold. Josh, is there anything you want to bring up or note before we get into our three keys here no I, th- I think personally you know I think there's going to be a team eventually down the road that takes a chance on Sam Darnold that's going to have a franchise quarterback but something there with Adam Gase the quarterback whisperer is not working out it looks like Joe Flacco's having success because he has always been that kind of gunslinger that just doesn't give a crap and just takes risk and, and throws the football up and that's what he's been doing so it's nice to see that we're going back to Sam Darnold and you hope the Dolphins have the same mentality to attack him and attack him early and the biggest thing heading into this and our biggest key and I mean you have it right here is no Frank or revenge game. And l- let's be honest, this is the complete opposite of what happened last week. Again, the Dolphins got absolutely gashed on the on the ground. Gore ran the ball 15 times for 61 yards last week. And the Broncos had three different runners average at least five yards per carry against the Dolphins last week. It's good to see uh, that the Dolphins, I don't think, are going to have to face the talent of, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I think Frank Gore is a little easier to kind of pull down to the ground. Uh, the Jets are going to be without Michael P. Ryan. Uh, I thought the blueprint against the Dolphins, as I hit on last week, uh, would be about taking a few deep shots. Apparently, that isn't the case like we saw against Denver. Uh, that could be the same thing this week, where I, I have a hard time, Josh, seeing Frank Gore have the revenge game. But it's something I kind of see as the path of victory for the, the Jets, really, is getting one of those shots over the top to really fall in. The Dolphins' defense has to then respect the deep ball. And then Gore just kind of battles up the middle. I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest thing here, and it's going to be Frank Gore. And you sat there and said about how you don't think he's going to have this revenge game, but would it not just be so Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. for him to go out there and have, you know, 130 yards and, and two <laughs> touchdowns? But I don't think that's going to happen because this isn't the same explosive Frank Gore. You mentioned Perrine being out. And uh, Ty Johnson, I mean, that's a rookie running back that has some talent, but the Dolphins are absolutely not facing the Melvin Gordons or the Philip Lindsays of the world. We talked about how the Dolphins have to stop the Jets' run game. Now we have to discuss how the Dolphins have to run the football better. Ahmed has 166 yards rushing, and that's 4.2 yards per carry in the three games he's played this year. The Miami Dolphins have two whole rushing plays this year, over 20 yards or more this season. That needs to change, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, they got to get Matt Breida more involved. they, they got to find ways to, you know, you gave up a draft pick to go get Matt Breida. You passed on J.K. Dobbins, and I will say this till I'm blue in my face, and your backup plan was, you know, uh, Matt Breida. So get him more involved. He can catch the football. Get him more involved on the outside. Use some sweeps, some zone stretches. Do whatever you can to get that ball to the outside and get speed. And the same can be said for Miles Gaskin if he's back. Savon Ahmed, it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to play. Again, we're going to hear more this afternoon from Brian Flores on what his status is for Sunday. 
But that means that if Gaskin's not ready to go, which he's right now in a non-contact injury, that means it's going to be Matt Breida and, what, DeAndre Washington time in Miami? I mean, this is a complete <laughs> different running back where we started, and it's completely crazy to say the Jets are currently allowing 111 yard, 111.7 yards per game, which is 11th in the league. So this is what the Dolphins have to do. They have to come out and they have to establish that run, and once they do that, that's when things open up. I mean, we see the play action. We see how good two is on the, those play action boots and, and, you know, getting out on the outside and making plays on the move. You can't do that. You can't set that stuff up without having an effective run game. And the Dolphins, I mean, let's be honest, there are times when they've completely abandoned the run this year. you got to run the ball more effectively, and it starts this weekend against the Jets. This is really a get-right game for this Miami Dolphins rushing attack, and I think they need to have a couple of games where they can prove they can run the ball over and over again. Because what Denver did so well is really load up and stop that running attack and force the Dolphins to hit a couple balls uh, deep. You mentioned those two passes to Jakeem Grant that just kind of, it just didn't work. You could blame one side, you could blame the other. It doesn't matter. Straight up, it didn't work. So it kind of goes twofold here. If the Dolphins can get the running game going, there will be more opportunities to hit those deep balls. If you hit a deep ball, there are going to be more opportunities to run the ball up and down uh, the entire field. So last thing I really want is having Greg Williams get the opportunity to really take shots at our Prince to a tongue of Iloa. So I think the running game, man, whether it's Brita, whether it's Gaskin, whether it's Ahmed, it really needs to do what they can against a bad, bad defense in the New York Jets. You know, they allow 111 rushing yards per game, 11th in the league, but a big reason to why they're only quote unquote allowing that many rushing yards per game is because teams can throw the ball all over them. This is a good chance for the Dolphins to try a couple, hopefully try some new things, establish a running game that can just get the job done. You know, the five to six yard gains maybe on first and second down that can really set up those third and manageables for Tua would be such a huge confidence boost this at this part of the season. For the Dolphins, really get that offense going. So that's, I think, probably the biggest key is really using that run defense is to get that New York Jets defense modest, uh, whoever it is. I want to ask you a question. I, I don't know if you remember, but I would say Tua's best game was the Arizona game. Would you agree? Absolutely. And did he not use his – was he not more explosive with his legs? Was he not you know, more mobile and making plays with, on the run? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I know we're sitting here, and I do not ever want to see our Prince Tua get hit. But do you think that maybe the Dolphins should get Tua more involved? And, you know, whether it's the RPO action or even it's just a couple of those boots here to keep the defense honest and re remind them, you know, I'm Tua Tungvaloa. I'm healthy now, and I can make those plays that I made in Arizona. Do you think that could, you know, essentially open everything up? Because once those defenders in the box have to sit there and read, read and react to what Tua's doing with that football in his hand, it opens things up tremendously. So I don't know about you, but I think I would like to see Tua get a little bit more involved. But again, put that boy in bubble bubble wrap because we don't want to see our Prince get hit. That's, that's such a great question because what I think Denver did, I, I wouldn't say they really forced Tua to throw the ball, but on a lot of those rollouts, the, the issue is you're cutting the field in half, right? All of a sudden, your opportunity to find an open hole is, is sliced right in half. Could be, you're limiting yourself to one side of the field. And what Bron the Broncos did is they played a zone defense, and, and Justin Jefferson had a – Justin Jefferson? No. Uh, Justin Simmons, excuse me, uh, had the first interception on Tua – 
Uh, the only, but it was called back for a penalty because the Broncos played this zone defense that really limited what Tua could do once he could roll out. The where Simmons was playing is uh, if Tua could start to run, he'd be held to maybe a two, three yard gain because I think Simmons was actually in a good position. Or, you know, Tua can try to get that first down and then have to throw it over a defender. So it's a good point. I think they should use it, but. The rollouts are going to be part of the game plan, but I think they should, you know, maybe a couple of designed runs for him to the outside where he's going to slide down after a three or a four yard gain. I think those will help the Dolphins so much because if you're focusing on Tua, all of a sudden the interior of the offensive line can get a little bit of push because they are spreading guys out, uh, you know, to the boundaries at the hash marks. And all of a sudden you can run up the middle. It's a ch- cat. And mouse game, it's a chess match, whatever cliche you want to use. But I think Tua running the ball, or at least showing the idea of running it in those bootlegs, can only help the offense moving forward, even though that didn't help in Denver. And that's where we bring to the third key. And Josh, we didn't plan it, but this is the greatest transition ever because the Dolphins cannot lose faith in what got themselves here. They started the season one and three, and all of a sudden, they were six and three. Five-game winning streak. Yes, they lose a game, but the season can't get completely derailed just because of that one loss. And that's why the Dolphins cannot lose faith in the game plan that got them here. As I said, I think that game plan against Denver wasn't awful. To sum it up, we need to force the Jets into those turnovers early and take a big lead. And I'm not talking the 7 to nothing lead against Denver was great, but we saw that that doesn't really change the game. If the Dolphins can get out to that 14 to nothing lead in that first quarter and then just beat in the driver's seat to wherever this game is going to end up, that is going to be the difference. That is going to be the difference on Sunday. If this game is close, I'm going to be horrified. I'm going to be panicking. I don't know what's going to happen if, if it's a, you know, a three-point game going into the fourth quarter. I'm going to say my confidence won't be there, that's for sure. But keeping the Jets modest with a couple turnovers, forcing them into mistakes, having Sam Darnold see ghosts, Gives the offense opportunities to try things. And some of them aren't going to work. We saw it against Denver. Some of the things aren't going to work, whether it's because of just execution or skill or play calling, whatever it may be. But this is all about finding and figuring out a system that can work for this Dolphins offense long term. We see that the Dolphins offense right now is not sustainable for, you know, I think they're one of the worst offenses in the league. There's got to be some of these growing pains, and it's understandable. but focusing on the game plan that they've used for so long that get up early, try to figure out the running game, get the pocket moving in terms of the outside rollouts, get the tight ends involved. There are a lot of different things the Dolphins can do. There's a lot of the different things the Dolphins can uncover. And the Jets are the perfect team to do it against. But they can't get too cute. They can't get too nervous. They have to just keep playing their style of football. They do, and I think this is kind of one of those moments where last week, you know, every week it seemed like we were sitting here saying, okay, this week now, let's see what time, type of team this Dolphins team is. And, you know, we kept saying it, and they kept racking together these wins, and then last week we had that disappointing loss. And, yes, it was disappointing, but this is a National Football League, and it's how these players respond. You are going against the 0-10 New York Jets. You realize that you are playing for your playoff hopes. You know, you're you're battling for that last spot, and you still have your eye on the AFC East, if we're being completely honest. This is a Brian Flores coach team. You want to see every unit of this team, you know, improve from last week and go out there and execute, and I think that's what we're going to see. You mentioned Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. Let's make him see ghosts. Let's make Frank Gore, you know, contemplate coming back for a 57th season or whatever he's at now. Let's go out there and be the Miami Dolphins that we've seen these first few weeks. 
get the ball, be those takeaways. I want to see Emmanuel Agba making plays. You know, let's get him another one of those forced fumbles. I think it's going to be need to be a group effort, and I think you're absolutely right. It's going to come back down to this offense, and we continue to sit here and talk about the run and the run and the run, but how bad? You mentioned it. These teams don't need to run the ball against the Jets because they're throwing the ball so damn well, and that's what we want to see this week. I mean, you mm-hmm. yes, you want to have an effective run game. Yes, you want to, you know, control the clock a little bit, but you need to have Tua go out there and show you that he is the guy that we've all expected him to be. You were playing the terrible Jets. Yes, your receiving core right now is Jakeem freaking Grant, Matt Collins, and you know, some other guy off the street. You know, he doesn't have the same receivers he had at Alabama, and that's okay. I'm going to talk about my key player, and that's going to be kind of what I see this game going. But for me, I just need to see this all come together, and I need to see the Dolphins put together a full effort. And I need to see more from the coaches, too. You know, you have the all-week to game plan. You're you're a Brian Flores coach team. You know, you continue to talk about how good these coaching staffs have done. Let's see how they improve. Let's see how they work on some of those issues they had stopping the run. Let's see how they work on some of those issues that protecting the quarterback last week. That's what I want to see all come together. That's uh, unless you have something else to say, I'm ready to transition right into my key player. All right, for me, it's got to be Antonio Callaway. And I know fans continue to like harp on how good of a player he was and how they want to see him get his chance. He got his chance last week and he made a huge third down catch that kept the drive alive and kept the Dolphins, you know, kept their hopes of winning that game alive. I think Antonio Callaway, with Jakeem Grant possibly limited, I think he is probably the best receiver outside Devontae Parker on this team. And we've seen it before. You know, this is a young player. He's 23 years old, a Miami product. Let him go out there and try to make those plays. Let him go out there and be that number two wide receiver let him get some snaps in the slot and get him out there more he played eight snaps last week I mean this is a NFL wide receiver and I'm I'm all for Malcolm Perry you know I love Malcolm Perry but he's being forced in a slot and he's not making that same type of impact and Jakeem Grant we love Jakeem Grant but last week when those corners were sitting there waiting on those comeback routes he he did nothing other than you mm-hmm. know Yes, Tua missed him twice deep, but what I want to see is I want to see these receivers step up, and I think it's going to start with Antonio Callaway, and I just hope he gets the playing time because I do think when he does, he's going to become that wide receiver that a lot of Dolphin fans had hoped. Yeah, it's weird because for as much as we want them to you know, fight through these growing pains and figure out what works and what doesn't work, each pass attempt is so valuable, especially when you're going deep downfield because, I mean, if you're stuck on a first and ten and you throw the ball – all of a sudden, you're looking at second and 10, and then you, you run the ball on second down to make it a third and manageable. And even a manageable is a third and six, third and seven, and that's still a tough situation to be in. So each pass attempt is so valuable for this offense. And for my key players, I'm also going with guys who are going to catch the ball, and that's Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe, which if I was telling myself this at the beginning of the year, I'd, I'd call myself a crazy person. But, you know, Jakeem Grant caught two of six uh, targets that came his way. Matt Collins, Patrick Laird, and Durham Smythe combined to go two for five last week. We had Parker, six of nine, and Jacecki, four of five. Outside of Jacecki and Parker, I mean, other guys need to get involved. And I'm not saying make the game-changing play that everyone's going to be talking about on SportsCenter for a week. I'm just talking about, you know, when Tua does those rollouts. And they have a Durham Smythe or a Shaheen wide open just rolling over. And he can run for six yards and set up a second and three where this offense can, you know, choose their own adventure if they want to keep pushing the ball downfield or just run for that first. Uh, the Dolphins have three guys who have scored two touchdowns each for the last for the first time in 30 years in terms of their tight end position. Uh, Shaheen has two, Jacecki has two, and Smythe. They each have two touchdowns. These guys are capable ball catchers. And while the Dolphins are struggling at receiver, you mentioned random. You know, there's guys like Mac Hollins getting big chunks of playing time. Jakeem Grant is struggling with an injury, and even Antonio Callaway is going to need to step up and prove that he belongs on the NFL roster. But Adam Shaheen just got a new contract. Durham Smythe, 
uh, has been around the team for a long time. These are efficient pass catchers. We know they're capable, but they have to continue to show it. I think these are two guys that could be safety blankets for Tua, provide those outlet routes that can really, you know, the scrambles for six and seven yards are going to be so key, but the Dolphins have to show it. They need to really complete more passes than they have been. And this Jets defense is a good opportunity to really get comfortable, to get the ball moving. And, you know, you need big home run hitters to be able to hit home runs. There's going to be times where Jakeem Grant and Tua, it just doesn't work out. Instead of pointing the fingers, you got to look at that second and 10. And how can they keep the ball moving? I think Sheehan and Smythe can both do that. And that's why I think they could be uh, in for a lot of work, especially against a Jets defense that, that has a huge hole at linebacker. I love that. And I think what's so funny, and you said kind of going back to the season, you would laugh at this. I think what's so funny is how we heard so much about how Chan Gailey doesn't utilize tight ends. And don't each of these guys have two touchdowns or more? I mean, it's it's awesome to see. And you're absolutely right. We see a lot of those 12 and 13 personnels where they have those heavy sets with all these tight ends in there. And that's where they're doing some of these boots. Get them more involved. So I, I love that. And I think that we're both on the same page here. The Dolphins have to go out there. They got to move the ball through the passing game. And these three players and, you know, everyone else need to step up in order for that to happen. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird to look at this big picture, how, you know, last week it was talking about we're going to win, but, but what we need to see because – Again, I'm going to stress it. No win is given in the NFL, despite it being the 0-10 Jets. But I'm excited about this. I am so excited to see how an Brian Flores-led team responds. What is their answer? Because you know Brian Flores was not happy after that game, despite the fact that Fitzpatrick gave him a chance to win at the end. This this was a team that was ascending. A p- potential tie in the AFC East was on the line. A win would have tied them with the Buffalo Bills. Ad- or Brian Flores... I mean, everyone prefers winning over losing, don't get me wrong. But I know he has spent all week stewing over this. And there's two things that can happen. You can either stew and get caught in the past and lose two games in a row, or you answer with punching your opponent in the mouth. I think that's what the Dolphins do this week, just based on everything we learned from Brian Flores. I'm going 27-6. to Dolphins in this get-right game. There's going to be some stat padding. If the Dolphins lose, Josh, the direction of the season changes so, 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 so much. I can't, I, I think this is the first can't lose game of the Brian Flores career, and I'm excited to see what he draws up. If, if he loses, I, I mean, I'm sitting here just going through, like, starting to just, like, shake and, like, pull my hair out, thinking how crazy we would all be if they go up there and lose. I'm going 31 nothing. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to say that this team's going to go up there, and they're going to do, like you said, they're going to punch him right in the mouth. Maybe Adam Gase gets fired after this game, but I think someone posted, you know, how. Uh, Woody Johnson's paying all these coaches over the last several years. I don't even know when they can move on from Adam Case. They got him locked up for a long time. So uh, go up there, punch him in the mouth, and I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to let Tua Cook. I think this offense will open up a little bit more. I think we're going to see this run game be effective and defensively. I mean, that's where I think this game is going to really get out of hand. I think the Dolphins are going to turn uh, force those turnovers like we've seen, and it's going to lead to that big win. So I'm going 31 nothing, Dolphins over Jets. Yeah, and, you know, just to kind of circle all the way back, Daniel Jeremiah, Move the Sticks podcast, really, really smart guy. He has the Jets winning this game, 21-20, to and if you read any of Barry Jackson's stories at the Miami Herald, he was not happy with the benching of Tua, and that just kind of goes to show how how dramatic the week-to-week takes in the NFL can be. So we're going to try to stay level, we're going to try to stay water, and we're going to just kind of roll through the Jets. I think that's all we can really say. Josh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. I hope everyone's enjoying their special Thanksgiving weekend, getting some time to rest, relax, and take a breather. And 
I got to play it one more time. If you are interested in a Solomon Kinley jersey, simple, simple, simple process to do just that. Smash that subscribe button, leave a review, send those reviews to either Josh or myself on Twitter at jmendel94 or at H-O-U-T-Z. Josh, it's been fun talking with you. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we don't have to sit here and break down a... Dolphins lost to the Jets on Monday, but we're going to remain confident. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to get to another week of Miami Dolphins football. That's all I got for you, buddy. Latua Cook, guys. Fins up. Uh, let's hope we have a ass kicking this weekend. Enjoy yourself and fins up, baby. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins